In December 2017, an innocent US man was killed by policemen outside the front of his house. December 28th, these two video game players or whatever, like, they got into a dispute because they lost this Call of Duty uh, World War II match. This is DK, a gamer and content creator based in Saskatchewan, Canada. And the prize, and this is just stupid, they were arguing over the prize, which was like a dollar and fifty cents. Some harsh words were said, and one of them had threatened to swat the other person. So these two gamers are in a feud over a result of a Call of Duty game. One threatens to swat the other. Swatting is a prank. It involves falsely reporting a violent situation, like a shooting or a hostage situation, to emergency services, like 911. Effectively sending police to another person's home address. The other person retaliated by uh, giving the other guy the wrong address, a place in uh, Wichita, where he previously, previously um, lived. So one of the gamers essentially challenges the other player to swat him. But he doesn't hand over his address, he hands over another. The one that gets the address, he gives it to like Swatistic. He's like a well-known doxer in that. Doxing is the act of publicly revealing private personal information about an individual. Swatistic dox this person thinking that it's that house. Hello? This is 911. What's going on? They were arguing and I shot him in the head and he's not breathing anymore. Okay, do you have any weapons on you? Yeah, I do. What kind of weapons do you have? Um, a handgun. What's your address? Yeah, um, it's 10 Street. The dad comes out and just, it's a horrible mess. This is like one of those cases that actually resulted in the death of a father. Keep that in mind. A father died over this Swanee incident. In this episode of Think Digital Futures, we observe how online hate speech can result in real-life consequences, how gaming and social media platforms are failing to censor dangerous content, and pushback from the community. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Swatistic, the man who called 911 and sent police to the Wichita address, has been sent to prison for 20 years. Daniel Keem, aka Keemstar from like the YouTube channel Drum Alert, he actually had an interview with Swatistic. Hang on, I think I can pull it up right now for you if you want. Uh... Give me a minute here, just to... What is up, Trumblert Nation? I'm your host, Keller Keemstar. The response that this guy gives Keemstar, it's just... It's disgusting. So you you swatted that address, correct? Sure. I was minding my own business at the library. Someone contacted me and said, Hey, dude, this fucking retard just gave me his address and he thinks nothing's going to happen. Uh... You want to, you know, prove him wrong. And I said, sure, I love swatting kids who think that nothing's going to happen. 
And it's because of this interview that the police were actually able to locate Swatistic and arrest him. To a swatting case making national headlines, a defendant in California sentenced to 20 years in prison for making phony 911 calls across the country. One of those calls leading to the deadly police shooting of an innocent man about 1,400 like a YouTuber miles away. helped the police catch a swatter. That is like a win in my book. But that's not often the case. Majority of swatters don't face retribution, hiding behind fake numbers and leaving no paper trail for police. And while the gaming community says swatting is not intended to cause harm, but merely scare the victim, some of those targeted have died, have been forced to move house, and have even faced instances of arson. On the tarmac, as an American Airlines flight is grounded for a bomb threat, and the man taken off the plane is an internet personality, a live broadcaster who was streaming right before he boarded that flight. Well, he says that someone made the call as a prank. It's something known as swatting. It basically gets like the swat. DK says the movement is next level disturbing. At first, my first reaction was like, what the heck is going on? Why is this like happening? Like, why is this a thing? Are people like that? Dense that they just get their kicks out of doing this. Like, it's honestly, honestly, hearing this stuff, it, it disgusts me that they're doing this. Okay, so let's try and wrap our heads around why this is actually happening and who's being targeted. Swatting isn't new. Attacks have occurred many times over the past decade. But more recently, gamers and streamers have fallen victim people on platforms like Twitch, an American live video streaming service. The platform offers live streaming of every video game imaginable. It's, it's playing like a game that you love, and it's interacting with people through the chat. Like, they like the same thing. It's like all about fan interaction, in my opinion. You can scroll pretty far down Twitch's homepage and browse through all these games, from League of Legends, to Mario Kart. Hey, who's Liberty. in first place? Who's in first place? I got a, I got a blue shell. Who's me, in first me, place? ASMR. <laughs> to The Sims. On stream the other day, I gave my chat the opportunity to pick my entire Sims build. To decide things like the lot size, the budget, the number of Sims that live there. The and a category called pools, hot tubs, and beaches. Welcome back to my channel, you guys. Today we're going to be opening up some new pool toys that I got. That's the sound of Amaranth, one of the most popular live hot tub streamers. She has over 4 million followers, and with tens of millions of daily users on the platform, there's a huge audience for her to cash in on. I'm going to lose my shoe. But Amaranth was, earlier this year, demonetized by Twitch, because of community and advertiser backlash, criticizing her so-called sexualized content. The community said her content and others in hot tubs was inappropriate for the platform's younger viewers. But then Twitch changed its stance on female streamers in hot tubs. Now when you go on Twitch, there's a specific category just for hot tub streams. So let's talk about 
Hot tub streams, baby. Wow, Twitch has a hot tubs, a pools, hot tubs, and beaches category. They're trying to relegate it to this section here. Twitch, despite taking away ads, has now reinstated them and been a little bit more clear with communicating what this type of content is by making a whole new category, pools, hot tubs. So people were like feuding because you know, they're like, why is Twitch allowing this kind of thing to happen? And so Twitch, I think someone from like their community team came out and said that, you know, we've talked about it, we looked into it, like the hot tub streams, they're okay. Twitch also stated that being found to be sexy by others is not against our rules. And Twitch will not take enforcement action against women or anyone on our service for their perceived attractiveness. The move wasn't well received by a lot of streamers on the platform, including DK. This is something that I, I got into like argument with a friend over because the friend thought, you know, it, it's just girls in hot tubs. Like, what's not to like? I'm like, you have kids that go on Twitch. What happens if they stumble onto like one of these, you know, hot tub streams and like they see like a, a girl in like something, you know, revealing? Many were confused by Twitch's back and forth assuming the move to reinstate hot tub content was driven by profit over the needs of their younger viewers. Popular streamers like Amaranth were subsequently targeted, seen as undeserving of their success on the platform. In August, Amaranth's house in Texas caught on fire in an alleged arson attack. Listen, I know a lot of people are uh, having a little bit of controversy and not exactly excited that people look to be doing something that takes minimal effort and capitalizing on it. But that's just the way it is. There's an ecosystem. While DK shares the view of others that hot tub content is inappropriate, he doesn't think attacks against Amaranth are justified. I know like there are a lot of people that don't like her because of like what she's done and how she just defends herself. But you don't go out of your way to attack someone just because you don't like what they're doing. Attractive women in hot tubs are not the only victims of hate speech and swatting on Twitch. Hate raids often involve trolls, usually bot accounts, flooding the chat with racist, sexist and homophobic language. It happened to one of DK's friends. He actually had an incident where um, he had some people like in his chat kind of getting kicked at him because um, he's a supporter for like LGBT, LGBT community. And he has like those LGBT tags like in his streams and that. So um, he has some people like in his chat giving him like a hard time. Like, why are you like, um, why are you supporting people that are like going to go straight to hell kind of thing? So he just brushed it off. But like, I could tell from like the clip he shared with me, like it's, these people are disgusting. Doxing harassment of any kind is disgusting. As we know, hate speech and the work of trolls in general isn't just confined to one platform online. But real-life consequences of hate speech, whether that's in the form of swatting, protests or riots, can be dangerous. Dr. Marianne andre Rizou is a senior lecturer at UTS. He's equally fascinated and disturbed by how online trolls, usually those from fringe communities, coordinate real-life attacks. All these, all these online discussions and, and messaging being pushed, at some point gets converted into offline um, reactions. 
Andre says that what comes to mind is the Pizzagate conspiracy theory that went viral during the 2016 US election. The conspiracy theory being that a pedophilic ring involving the Democratic Party was operating out of a Washington pizza restaurant. Right now, in hindsight, it sounds stupid, but at the time, it was a thing. People were discussing it quite vigorously. And the next result in that case was uh, a guy driving for five hours from North Carolina, I think, and um, you know, getting off his car with semi-automatic weapons that went to the pizza place to free the children. He still serves time right now. But what I'm trying to say is that it has offline reactions. Andre specializes in behavioral data science. I develop mathematical models uh, that can uh, explain the behavior of, lar of uh, large collectives of individuals in the online environment. He says that individual actions online can have atomic level results. We decide to reshare a post with our friends or we, we decide to retweet a tweet that we see online. Those are called atomic level actions that each and every one of us takes every every day when we are obviously when we are online, um, and it, normally they are only seen by our neighborhood, by the people around us. However, when you take these actions and you take them collectively at the at the level of an entire population, the, what we uh, observe that start emerging is collective level behaviors, which uh, tend to be quite different from what you would expect. But how do these often fringe opinions venture out into the mainstream and infiltrate innocent chats on platforms like Twitch? They tend to emerge in, in darker corners of the internet. Uh, you can even think here like the, the infamous 4chan uh, or Gab or other places which are not necessarily mainstream. Andre studied comments on a far-right Facebook group active in late 2020. He found that those with fringe beliefs were able to gain a bigger reach by latching onto more mainstream, socially acceptable narratives. They no longer stay in their in well-defined areas of the discussion. They they bleed into other communities, and you suddenly start seeing connections uh, between the types of different types of populations, which normally would not necessarily talk that much, um, and this gives rise to other. Uh, opinions which sometimes are even stranger, even more fringe. Andre observed how those from the extreme far right would somehow weave their narrative into a broader conservative narrative, like the anti-vaxxer movement. In one example, commenters on the group compared mandatory face mask wearing to that of a religious head covering, worn by some Muslim women, saying they were equally oppressive. The thematics change a lot towards more conspiracy and, and COVID, and then it moves into, into uh, religious anti-Semitism, anti-Islamophobic uh, references, and um, the language also gets a lot more, uh, a lot more sharp and um, a lot more aggressive. So by infiltrating existing public spaces like a conservative Facebook group, those with fringe views can wield a larger level of influence and eventually action. But Andre says the hate raids on Twitch, the bombardment of messages, often come from bot accounts. These accounts can wield even more influence. These are fake accounts, uh, which are built in order to, uh, to make them look and feel as a, as a human. You have a number of, of accounts, which were operated usually by a single human, by a single operative, 
and they would be pushing the same kind of content. Now, why would you want to do this? You want to create the, the impression of a lot of people with your opinions. Andre looked at over 70 million tweets during the Australian election in 2019 and discovered many ways to identify bots and coordinated behaviour. Um, there are a number of indicators which, sh which show low quality uh, soft puppet accounts and, and social bots. Um, for example, retweeting, yes, retweeting times is, is one of them. Uh, when do they retweet? Say a very simple way to program uh, an automated retweeter is always posting at the same time. Social bots and uh, these accounts tend to be younger because they get suspended more often. Their usernames uh, give them away. Um, they are not as informative because they tend to be created in bulk. Uh, what we also observe is coordinated uh, coordinated accounts. So you, you have a population of accounts that don't follow each other. They are embedded in different communities, completely different communities. However, they are tweeting about the same thing actually the same message but the word with the same hashtags in different communities. So you may have one in the Afro-American community, the other one in the Christian community, uh, the other one in Australia, and they're all pushing exactly the same message. And they are supposed to be completely different people without contact. Similar to Twitch, users on Twitter can report these bot accounts, leading to their suspension. And moderators can also delete harmful messaging on the Twitch chat but it's not an easy feat. It's a cat and mouse game because Twitter doesn't like these uh, accounts and keeps suspending them. And some of them live on without ever getting caught. When they finalize their purpose, they would get deactivated and then they can get reactivated. So today they're an old grandma from, from uh, down the street in the same neighborhood. And tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, but in a week's time, they are tweeting uh, in another language about the, the situation in the Middle East. So they get reused and they use them until they, they get caught. And then there's always the lack of incentive from the platform side to censor content. Andre says censoring content contradicts clicks and engagement, kind of like the hot tub category move and the promise of new advertisers at the expense of so-called protection of the youth. It gets trickier because for platforms, there is a competition between what they, their economical interests and, and guarding against uh, misinformation. All their, all their tools and all their gears are towards engagement. They want to keep people engaged by, by recommending them fresh, popular content, by putting them in contact with communities of similar views. That's what keeps people engaged. And that's, the, that's, what, that's where the economic interest comes from. So as you can see, economical interest and, uh, and, the, and countering misinformation sometimes are uh, quite the go the opposite ways for the platforms. So the platforms try to address it while not completely revamping the way they work. Over the past couple months, the Twitch community has been pretty outraged with the lack of censorship of hate speech on the platform. A popular streamer with the Twitter handle Wreck It Raven posted a video of herself getting raided and started the Twitter hashtag TwitchDoBetter. Shortly after, in September, users organised a campaign called A Day Off Twitch, involving streamers jumping off the platform on September 1. During the same month, users on the discussion platform Reddit went dark to protest the spread of disinformation on their platform. 
but DK and lots of other streamers don't necessarily think removing themselves from a platform for one day will affect much change. While I'm happy that like the day off from Twitch was a success, like there was a lot of people that thought it wouldn't amount to anything. I honestly think like extend that, like, you know, maybe do like a, a week off Twitch, see what that does. I think more people need to voice their opinions about this, like get the word out there. In response, Twitch made a public statement saying no one should have to experience malicious and hateful attacks based on who they are and what they stand for. The company said it would roll out new features aimed at fixing the problem, including banning thousands of accounts and implementing new chat filters to protect streamers. Honestly, I think if it's happening on your like service like YouTube, Twitch, they need to be held accountable for what's been going on. Like Twitch needs to step in and like, you know, that's enough. You don't do this on our platform. If you're going to continue to do this, you know, we don't want you on our platform. Like, you know, take some action, Twitch. And then Twitch took its trolls to court. Twitch TV has filed a lawsuit against users who they allege are behind the recent epidemic of They're hate being sued in the Northern District of California for of breach of contract, fraud in the inducement, and unfair competition. It's probably the threat of future lawsuits that will be a big step towards cleaning up the racism and harassment that have been plaguing Twitch recently. These were trolls who had previously been banned by the company, but had snuck back onto the platform multiple times using new accounts. One of the users is responsible for nearly 3,000 bot accounts associated with hate raids. Whether anything will amount from Twitch's court cases and censorship measures remains to be seen. In the meantime, content creators and streamers are jumping onto alternative platforms, like Facebook Gaming, which may not promise the same level of views, but offer better protections. DK is now rethinking his Twitch plans. I don't know, like, I think if I get the equipment that I need, I think I could do actually a really good job on Twitch. I know I have a couple of friends that stream on Twitch, but at the same time, because of all these stories, it's like... I don't know, should I stick with YouTube streaming? <laughs> should I go to Twitch? Like, should I just, you know, multi-stream like I know like a lot of people do? At the end of the day, DK says he's just happy to have the opportunity to play games with his community. I like to play games. So just me playing games, especially my Sonic collection. <laughs> I think people will watch that. On stream the other day, I gave my chat Hey, who's in first place? Who's in first place? I got a I got a blue. No way! Twitch, there was like five thousand viewers for a time there today. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of Two SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the community radio network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Carr-Katzel. Thanks for your company.